From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online. Group therapy for the paranormally affected. Our little radio show that we try to put out to you every single day here from realghoststoriesonline.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you press that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes of our show as we put them out to you diligently. And of course, uh, we encourage you to call into the show with your real ghost stories. The phone number is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also, also uh, write into us through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. So a couple ways to get your ghost stories to us. I'm kind of saying this, calling in is kind of like the fast pass to get your story on the air. We have a lot of written stories uh, in our queue, if you will, to be read, and we're going to get through all of them. But uh, if you have a, a story you want to get on right away and get some insight into, do call that in at 855-853-4802. Those we get to uh, within a matter of days. So uh, check that out. Also right now, giving away that bonus episode. If you give us a review on iTunes, something nice, hopefully, uh, give us that review. Then email me back what username you used, and I'll reply back to that with a link to the bonus episode of our show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you're a uh, avid listener of our show, you're probably familiar with our uh, Richard in Chattanooga story and his stories that are uh, anyway coming into us uh, over the past uh, several weeks and all the insight uh, that's been given out uh, by folks all over the world into his troubling situation. Well, on today's show, we have a brand new call from Richard in Chattanooga. Oh, good, good. So we will uh, we'll get the latest from him. And to hear, uh, hopefully, what he thinks about some of the advice that's been given to him thus far. And to see how things are going for him. Also, some calls from uh, our uh, demonologist friend. And, of course, more calls from you guys. Uh, some new listeners calling into the show. Letters, all of that follow-up. It's all on the way here at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, to kick off the show today, uh, I wanted to uh, read uh, a letter that came in. It says, Hi, Tony. Left a review of the show on iTunes. Thank you so much. Love the show. Could not agree with you and Jenny Moore about the Ouija boards. My older sister played with one, and she was terrorized by something for years afterwards. My parents' home is haunted. We've all seen the same lady in blue. She loves to peek at us when we're in the living room. Nothing out of the ordinary for our home, but the Ouija board allowed something to enter our home. My sister refuses to discuss the details today. I remember hearing her describe what I thought was a typical sleep paralysis event, but she swears something or someone was holding her down and she was completely awake. She has also discussed being able to fly in her dreams. I think she was really experiencing astral projection. My parents' home is in San Francisco, California. It was built in the 1920s in a deco style. It still has many of the original features. My parents are also third owners of the home. From the time my parents purchased their home in the 1980s, they've experienced paranormal events. Have you ever flown in your dreams? Uh... Yes. You? Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I have. I like, think it was more when I was younger. Really? I would I would have those sort of dreams. Um, it was funny because if I was unaware that I was dreaming, I could fly. But if I was aware I was dreaming, I, it's kind of fun because I, I just kind of go on rampages. Um, but I would then try to fly thinking, yeah, it's a dream. I can do whatever I want. And I jump off high things and I would always just land. <laughs> and, and wake up like I jump off buildings not to like kill myself but thinking I'm gonna fly uh-huh. and I would still land in the ground and thud and it, it was horrible I mean it was like really it's like oh my god I can't fly and bam <laughs> you died in your dream and I died in my dream and I woke up Aww. have you ever died in your dreams um I'm assuming so yeah remember I told you about the Titanic one I've had over okay yeah yep 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 I'm assuming that's what happens because that's usually when I wake up I've uh I've died yeah. I can't think of um, right off the top of my head like this these specific events of what killed me, but I do remember one that was kind of disturbing where I was in my casket and I uh, was being lowered into the ground. Oh wow! Like I could hear it going down, and I was like awake, or you know, I wasn't awake, awake. I couldn't move, but I remember it going down and just feeling it, you know, thud into the ground, and then dirt being covered over it. That would be terrifying. It was really creepy. And then yeah. I woke up. 
But it was really, I, they, I was pretty young. I was probably like uh, 12, 13 when I had that one. That's horrible. That's because you read too many Goosebumps books. You know, it very well could be because I was really into those at that time. Mm-hmm. I love those Goosebumps books. Anybody else out there read the Goosebumps books back in the day? Uh, I, uh, I I bought the new R.L. Stein book, The Red Rain. I have yet to read it. Um, it's just sitting in my nightstand and I keep saying, oh, someday I'm going to just sit down and read this book because I love reading, but I don't read ever other than on the show when we're reading stories. You're really good about listening to audiobooks. Yeah, I should just get the audiobook of it is what I should do. But uh, I do enjoy reading. I love doing that. Like back in, in the high school, it was, it was junior high, really. Yeah. And just sitting in my room, usually Sunday afternoon, I would get a Snapple or Powerade. Power, that was the, the new drink of the day. And I would sit there and read Goosebumps books for hours and end. And my mother would be like, aren't you going to come out and do anything? No. I'm reading Goosebumps or Fear Street. Those are good ones, too. Yeah. It was like when you're a little bit older. I, I hope we can uh, find some of those old Goosebumps books for the girls when they get a little bit older. I'm sure we can. I hope they like them. Those are, those are great books. Yeah. I couldn't get into the show, though. Th- that came out a little bit after, I think, our time. Uh, you know, it was targeted more kind of a younger uh, audience and I've tried to watch it with the girls and it's still it's kind of hokey I think even they I think Harper looks at it who's two and, and still thinks she she thinks it's hokey and she's two yeah so that's that uh, another letter that was uh, written into us uh, Jenny as far as your comments on the graveyard shift origins you are correct I've always heard that uh, they tie a string to their big toe and it would reach the bell there's a pretty good book that covers fun stuff like that including the graveyard shift origin along with other things uh, it's called uh, Stiff by Mary Roach. She also has a specific book on the afterlife called Spook, but I haven't read that uh, uh, as of yet. Definitely check out Stiff, though. Oh, both of those sound like they'd be good. I think they'd be very confusing back then, because I don't know. Did they do the same? Those are not EVPs, by the way. Uh, <laughs> did they do what they do now where they like they drain the blood and kind of remove organs and stuff to really make sure you're dead and you're not twitching the embalming embalming process i don't know if they did that back then or not that's what i'm wondering about because i could see it's like a fish when you die when the fish dies they're dead Mm -hmm. but they still kind of twitch and Mm -hmm. so do people they will twitch as long as they have blood and yeah organs to twitch and in a, a brain um until all this stuff gets removed. Mm-hmm. So I could see there being a lot of twitching going on back then, even when you're in the ground and those bells ringing quite frequently. You know, I, I, I get your point. It's hard to say. I, and I'm sure somebody out there has the knowledge on this, but you know, I mean, the ancient Egyptians would prepare the bodies for death or for burial, mm-hmm. you know, by doing things to them. Sure. That, you know, there's no way that if you went through that you were gonna live through that you you were for sure dead yeah they kind of pickled them <laughs> that and you know they would remove different things um so between that time and you know modern day i don't know when the practice of embalming became the the go-to the vogue thing, thing to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i'm gonna get embalmed it's such an in thing right now so i you know i don't know but i'm glad that I kind of hit that one, you know, I remembered that one right. I remember that from school, but, you know, every now and then I remember something historical. Yeah. And, and Even though I, we couldn't Google it, you were still right. So yeah, that's good. There you go. That's an odd one to Google, though. I it know, is. So. Um, here's an interesting uh, follow-up. I said uh, on one of our, our posts out there, can churches be haunted? Because we were talking about that the other day with the story. And uh, one person replied back, Anthony on YouTube said, 100% in England churches are haunted uh, we have a church not too far away from me with a church bell rings late at night 2 a.m to 3 a.m the church is 400 years old that would be creepy as hell yeah it would especially if that church is not setting some sort of you know device to ring that bell and it's just going off at two or three in the morning what is making that thing go off at two or three in the morning well that takes some real effort to ring a church bell too yeah so that's that's really interesting. Uh, that's uh, that's creepy. I wonder uh, if there's any more insight from any of our folks in the UK who listen to the show. If there's there's more churches where that happens at, because they're older, you've got to have more of a chance of being haunted than I think a lot of them in the states. So, 
Uh, another insight into something or some uh, feedback on something we talked about says, I don't understand the following ghosts uh, are in a supernatural realm. Uh, smudging, sage, salt, etc. are all physical. Any spirit can walk through a wall. Why stress leaving a window open for a spirit to exit through when they can simply walk through a solid wall? Why would something physical such as sage chase off a ghostly spirit? Preacher, uh, preacher once told me, that things like smudging are only physical crutches for people who don't have a strong belief uh, and close or are, are close with the spiritual God. Is that true? Okay. Um, Cisco and Mary in California, please correct me if I'm wrong. Here's my thought on that. Okay. That you're not really getting rid. When you do that, you're not really getting rid of the ghost, but more the energy that's going on. So it doesn't necessarily work in all cases. I don't think so, but just certain yeah. certain things can be warded off with sage. Yeah. Okay. Cuz you you do smudging or sage burning to clear the energy in a house. So I think it helps get rid of negative energy and I think sometimes, you know, that can help get rid of something that's lurking in that negative energy, but I don't think it works in all cases. Is, is it like a temporary thing, though, where you have to kind of keep doing it in order to keep it out, like like Windex? You know, you can yeah. Windex a window, yeah. and it's eventually like, you got to Windex again in another week? It's like Lysol for energy, because I've read okay. with, um, you know, some of the stuff I've, I've been researching that people that are um, empaths should do that on a regular basis to clear out the energy in their home. Because they're so sensitive to different types of energies. Smell like Thanksgiving all year long. It would. I love stuffing. We can make stuffing more frequently, although it's horrible for you. Yeah. That'd be great, though. We have a lot of sage in the garden. Yeah, we should burn some sage. That'd be fun. All right. Uh, Jesse Lynn writes in, The orb in the wedding photo seems to be a pretty common phenomenon. I like to think that it is uh, the past person giving away their spouse. A friend in elementary school's dad passed away when we were in third grade. At our eighth grade graduation, the whole class got up to sing Celine Dion's Because You Love Me, dedicated to the parents. My mom took pictures, and we'd been looking for orbs and pictures for years. When we looked at that picture, there was a huge, almost solid orb right behind my shoulder on my friend. We've always said that it was her dad coming to show how proud he was uh, and that he was still with her. Oh, that's sweet. That's cool. Yeah. Did you remember eighth grade graduation? Oh, yeah. Really? It was a big deal. It was like, for us, it was the first semi-formal event that you could go to. Because, you know, you could go to dances starting... Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't let the sixth graders go to dances, but seventh grade and eighth grade could go to dances, but they were just like, you know, you wear your school clothes, but the eighth grade graduation then had a dance that followed, which was the eighth grade celebration. And that was like the first thing that you could get kind of dressed up for. It wasn't the caliber of prom or homecoming, but Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, it was the first time that you would really maybe get a nice dress to wear. I remember mine was light blue, knee length with sequins all over it mm-hmm. and kind of a flowy uh, skirt. And that was a big deal. That was kind of a rite of passage thing. Eighth grade is when you leave. That's like what, junior high and high school? It's when you leave junior high to go okay. to high school in a lot, in of, a places. lot of places. Some See, places. we didn't have one because our junior, I mean, it was messed up because our junior high was seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Yeah. See, I was going to say some yeah. places have ninth grade in the junior yeah. high and then it's just sophomore Junior, junior senior. senior. That's how that's how it was for us. So we never really had an eighth grade graduation. So it's one of those concepts I never really understood when people would talk about eighth grade graduation. I'm like, what? Well, just like, imagine it being about? like a ninth grade graduation. Sure, we didn't have that either. No, but it would make more sense. It would make sense to have had one. Yeah, yeah. we had a ninth grade dance that was kind of formal. There you go. So that was kind of cool. But there wasn't like a is eighth grade graduation like you get diploma and walk. Down the aisle we with did. your parents? We really? did a whole big thing, yeah. Oh, interesting. I think it was the thought process was to help encourage kids to stick with school because, you know, they were talking so much about, mm-hmm. and I'm sure dropout rates are still pretty high, but they were, you know, really focused on that, it seemed like, it during our time of being middle school and high school to yeah. keep kids in school. So I think it was kind of a thing to encourage you, see how good it feels to do this, sure. hang in there four more years, and you can graduate high school. I remember we had a sixth grade graduation, and uh, 
because that was like the sixth grade was the end of elementary mm-hmm. and then you went into junior high and we had um gosh bill jarts was our speaker and he's a news anchor in green bay on wbay tv any wisconsin listeners who know who i'm talking about he was the sports anchor back then he was our celebrity guest wow <laughs> and he i don't know what he spoke about but he did a little speech and uh, then we i think we got a ruler or something <laughs> That's special. It was like a dare ruler. Uh-huh. <laughs> Someone's like, hey, congratulations. You're going into junior high. And that was sixth grade graduation. That's kind of silly. You know what? We didn't have sixth grade graduation because sixth grade was the first year of middle school. So. Yeah. You were, it's, everything's a little bit different. Right. Yeah. And we didn't really celebrate fifth grade, but I remember, um, I think it was fifth grade, maybe even fourth grade. You know, the sportscasters around here, they're okay, but... But what people really pay attention to is the weather and the meteorologist. Oh, sure. So the big deal was to have the meteorologist come to school and talk to you. So that was our Mm -hmm. somewhat celebrity person. This is the last voice many people heard before a tornado killed them. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Who'd you you have? Um, Did you have Merrill Teller? No, I think. From KWCH? I wish. No, I think it was Dave Freeman. Okay. Peter Cetera (laughs) lookalike. But you know what? I went and I got to meet Meryl when I was Livy's age, when I was a Girl Scout. Mm-hmm. We, we took a Girl Scout field trip there. That was so much fun. Yeah. It's always fun meeting the, the weather people. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. If you'd like to share your real ghost story with us, let's go to a caller. Hi. Hey, Tony. Uh, I'm a... Uh ordained minister. I work with hospice. I'm actually a chaplain uh, slash bereavement coordinator. And uh, I have probably been with hundreds of people as they pass. And I heard your story the other night um, and I just had to call in. But I actually have probably over half the patients that I spend time with prior to death talk about uh, seeing people that have passed away uh, 30, 40, 50, 60 years prior. Um, and they just basically sit there and watch them. Sometimes they they speak with them um, and communicate with them. Sometimes they beckon them to come. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's a very prevalent thing that happens. And, you know, in the medical field, they teach us that, that those are just things that happen and it's the, the brain's way of shutting down as part of the dying process. Uh, but it, I, I'm not so sure about it. I've, uh, I really believe that the closer that we get to death, uh, maybe a little thinner the veil is to... Uh, being the things in, in the next world, uh, maybe it's heaven, you know. Um, but you know, um, of all the research done with in uh, learning about different dimensions and things, I've I've kind of heard people talk about well, um, when they have like hauntings or ghostly occurrences, to where they see people doing just menial tasks like opening a cabinet or they just turn and walk and go down the hall and uh you know it could be very well be somebody looking into an alternate dimension with other people living in the same space you know um but yeah that's just my take on the uh people talking to loved ones it's it happens way too often to just be chalked up to, well, that's just the brain's way of dying because it it doesn't happen with everybody. Uh, One of the most frightening experiences that I've seen was I was in a a nursing home with a patient and the whole family was there. And uh, everybody was, you know, kind of sobbing quietly and it was so quiet you could hear a pin drop. And the lady was... uh, you know, she was struggling to breathe at times, and um, and then all of a sudden, she just opens her eyes and looks straight up above her, and she throws her hands up over her face and just screams bloody murder like she may have seen something that, uh, that really scared her. Um, but, you know, 
they they ask me, well, what, what just happened? You know, like I'm the expert. I mean, really, there there aren't any experts when it comes to things like that. But um, you know, I, I just kind of told them. I said, you know, in the Bible, where I, I mean, I've studied lots in the Bible through the years, and in every instance where somebody has seen an angel in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, uh, you know, it usually says that they were sore afraid or, or terrified, really, that they'd fall to the ground and things like that. But, you know, an angel is just something you don't see every day. And I imagine seeing one for the first time would be rather startling. But um, I thank you for your time and, and hope to hear this on the air. Thanks. Thanks for the call and thanks for the insight on that. That was great. I completely agree with him. I understand the medical thought process that, you know, it, it it's the brain shutting down. The more people are thinking about death, they're thinking about they've lost and seeing them again, hopefully if that's their belief, you know, and how that can play into it. But, you know, we've also heard stories about people that weren't in hospice mm-hmm. and didn't know they were close to death that yeah. started seeing loved ones and then something happened either suddenly with like within the next week you know so i really i really believe the closer you are to the other side either way the more you're going to be able to see those things yeah i mean i i agree i really i think there is something more to it than just the brain shutting down to play devil's advocate on your point though too while people in hospice are well aware that everything is at the end and things are shutting down um if it is just the brain, the argument could also be made, well, those folks who are having these things happen and they're at home and they don't, they just don't realize they're about to die. Their body does, but they don't. And that's still their brain going through that same process. Um, but the thing is, there's just so many weird occurrences with this, so many details that will come out that I just fall totally into the unexplained. I mean, there's, there's some that fall into the utterly bizarre where it's like, okay, I think that I can pick and choose some parts and go, okay, I think that's part of your brain shutting down. Uh, but when they get into, you know, details of, of a loved one coming back and telling them or having a conversation with them about something that they were completely unaware of, and then that still living person before they die tells another family member about what they just had a conversation with, with Bernie, who died 20 years ago. Uh, and that other loved one does have knowledge of what was discussed, but the person who's sharing the story never did until that conversation with the dead guy. How do you explain that? I don't know. You know, because that, that's that's where you go into the... That's not just the brain. That, there's something going on there. There, yeah. is a, there is a conversation happening with two people. Yeah. One of them's dead. Right. Well, and, and I wasn't necessarily referring to people that are in poor health dying at home. Sure. I'm talking about people that suddenly die in a car accident or people that suddenly sure. have a heart attack where the body is not preparing to die. I mean, a, a oh, heart, you, you know, you're right. You're exactly right. A heart attack. Yes, I guess your body is, you know, in a, a tacky way of saying it, trying to kill you. Yeah. But we're not talking about, you where know, it's a forced circumstance on somebody where they had no control over it. You're exactly right. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Cause yeah. we, you know, we've had stories recently where people are visited by loved ones right before something like that yeah. happens. Cause you and yeah. I've even talked about, you know, what would we do if we thought we were somehow getting close to the end, but our, you know, it's not something like our bodies giving yeah. out or completely mind. unexpected. Suddenly we're seeing our dead relatives showing up. Right. That would be alarming. It would be. Yeah. So that's why I really, you know, I like what he had to say and I'm, I will say I am surprised that it is as prevalent as it is. I figured it was probably pretty prevalent because of the stories that we get, mm-hmm. but for him to say, you know, about half, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's nice that he's able to be able to be there and comfort the, yeah. the families when they see something like that. I still want to hear if there's paranormal activity that's pop, not popular, but, uh, uh, common in, in hospice homes to, to the folks who are not patients there. To the relatives, to the family members, to the staff. To the staff. How often is there paranormal activity going on 
um, in those places. I would think it would be a hotbed, but I don't know. I'd love to get some insight into that from folks who are in those situations on a, a regular basis. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number. 855-853-4802. Got another letter here. It says, I called in earlier about seeing an orb at the same time that my sister-in-law died. And I told you I had other paranormal things happen in my life. This is one of the earliest and scariest things that happened to me. When I was 13, I received a Ouija board for my birthday. It was a typical Parker Brothers brand. I didn't play with it until a new girl named Lorraine moved across the street. We started to play with it together every day during the summer. At first, nothing happened. After several days, though, it started to work for us. It seemed the more often we played with it, the stronger it became. Since Lorraine and I hadn't known each other very long, we would ask it questions uh, the other would not know, and it would answer correctly every time. That showed me that what was happening was real. When it first started communicating with us, it was nice. It said it was a spirit named Reese, and that it had been married uh, before in another life, and that it was in the mid-70s, and began uh, and was raised in a uh, Southern Baptist church and had been a good girl. I never heard of reincarnation before and didn't quite understand. After a few weeks, it would get more demanding. It would, if, it would, if we would miss a day of playing with it, it would say mean things to us and threaten us. It first told me that it was going to kill my pets. Within a week, my dog and my pet mouse died suddenly. This scared the crap out of me, and I didn't want to play with it anymore, but felt compelled to do so or something worse might happen. During this time, I was having horrible, vivid dreams of demons where I'd wake up screaming. I'd wake up in the morning to find everything on my dresser gone and would find my stuff later hidden in the closet or under my bed. Sometimes my bed would shake. My parents said uh, my personality changed. The last time I played with it, it was early one evening in the summer. There was five of us kids sitting in my family room. Only Lorraine and I were playing. The others were watching... Our parents were outside, sitting on the porch, enjoying a summer evening. After a few minutes of playing, the board said it was going to kill everyone in the room, and it started spinning wildly. We let go of it, and in terror, watched it continue to spin. Then, the thing lifted up in the air and flew around the room before dropping to the floor. All five of us ran outside and told our parents, who of course didn't believe us. After that, I made my dad go get it and throw it away, as I didn't want it to be anywhere near us. In fact, over the next few days, he had to throw it away in the trash several times as it would somehow end up in my closet again. The weird thing is, I would know when it was back in my room before I even saw it there. It's like I could feel the evil in my room. Finally, my parents burned it one night in the fireplace while I was asleep. They told me later that it made horrible noises when it burned and sounded like screaming. My mom even called the company to see if there were any chemicals or anything in the board that would cause it to make those sounds, but the person she talked to said no. I worried for the next few years that I would die or someone in my family would, but fortunately no one did. I did continue to have demonic dreams on and off for the next few years, but they finally did die down. In rereading the story, it doesn't sound real, but I swear all this did happen. The one good thing about this is I told my three children about what happened to me and they never touched a Ouija board and discouraged their friends from playing with it too. Some Kathy in Virginia Beach. Now part of our Dare Awareness, or part of our Ouija Awareness Month. Could you imagine being the customer support rep for the Ouija board? (laughs) I wonder how many calls Parker Brothers gets on their customer service line about Ouija boards. Really? I'm... That would be strange. That'd be a great prank call to make. Yeah. And just have some story. Or not even, I mean, you don't even have to have it made up. You could just tell this story and say it happened to you and see what the support rep says. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because so many support reps, they have like kind of their go-to scripts of what to say when somebody calls in. It's like, oh, okay. Well, sir, this is what, you know, they give you that. Mm -hmm. I wonder what they have for the various Ouija situations that have popped up over the years. Although I don't believe it's Parker Brothers who owns it anymore. It's, uh, gosh, we talked about this the other night. It's some other toy. Is it Hasbro? Hasbro has it. Um, Has anybody ever tried to sue them over the Ouija board and things that have happened? I don't don't know. I'm just curious because you know how people are so sue happy anymore. Sure. What are you going to sue over? I mean, what do you... That it caused your... 
mental you anguish? I mean, yeah. how, how do you prove it? You know, you, how do you prove half the things? Well, you, try exactly. To sue over? It's just when you go into that territory of ghosts, courts mm-hmm. don't necessarily look on that very fondly as being uh, remotely legitimate. No, I was just curious if there had ever been any court. Sure. Cases. I don't know. I, that's something to look up, and I, I do wonder about that. If anyone has any insight into that, let us know. There's, I would imagine there'd be one or two that's been thrown out over the years. Or if it went further, I'd love to hear what happened in that court case. Exactly. You know, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Should we go to Richard's call? Yes, I've been waiting. All right. Richard in Chattanooga has called in with an update on his situation at 855-853-4802. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. This is uh, Richard again from Chattanooga. I wanted to start off by saying, um, well, telling everybody thanks for all the comments and, uh, you know, everybody reaching out to me. It's real nice. Um, we had the, uh, not too long ago, we had a, actually right before we had the house blessed, we had a medium come in. And uh, I know you guys were talking about me. What I have done, I've had a medium here, and I've had it cleansed, and of, you know, the paranormal groups. <clears throat> and uh, when we had the medium here, I'm not going to, you know, put her name out there because it kind of ended in a strange way. Um, she came in, you know, after we contacted her, had kind of a little sense of relief, go to find out what's really going on. And um, she came in real nicely. I put her jacket up. She came in and uh, sat down. We started talking, telling her, you know, about the place, not what was going on or anything like that. Um, She asked if she could walk down the hallway into our bedroom and uh, start from the back of the house and work her way forward. And, uh, you know, thought that was fine or whatever. So she ended up going back there, and we followed her. And she uh, literally just, like, stopped, like, right at the foot of our bed, looked at our closet door, and uh, slowly opened it up. And she literally was, like, you know, gas backed up, walked pretty fastly through our hall, and the whole time just saying sorry that she couldn't do it. And she left at the time that she was saying sorry, you know, that... uh, that she can't help it and that she, you know, had to leave. But uh, that was pretty strange (laughs) in itself. Um, And last night, we, my wife and I, we dropped the kids off at her Nana's house. And uh, we came back home, we ate, watched TV, so we figured we'd call it a night. And we, you know, went to bed. We have a dog. Actually, we have two dogs. Two of them stay outside. One of them, Max, stays inside. He's a big lab mix. Um, It's to the point now, like, we kind of know when something's going to happen because he will, you know, start growling. He used to uh, sit at the foot of our bed, but now he sits in the hallway. And usually whenever he starts growling, we know something's going to happen. Well, last night I hear him, you know, start growling. My wife nudges me. I'm already up. I get up, put my slippers on. I walk through the house, turn the lights on, and as soon as I turn the corner, it was like somebody's just beating on our front door. I kind of like slowed down, you know, had to open it, open it up real quick, like nothing there. So my first reaction is rush back to the room with my wife. And before I get in there, she's screaming, saying that she's seen that uh, same guy with the cloak on. It's just getting real enhanced. Um, and believe it or not, we after I read that Kristen comment, I really did not know that this house was that known. Um, I mean, through people that came through here, that came by our house, they know about it. Um, and since then, it's kind of, you know went went out that it was pre-haunted um in fact uh, the, Matt 
was a good friend of mine that she was contact or was talking about and uh he actually just ended up coming coming to the house not too long ago and he wouldn't even come in uh but yeah the other day we woke up uh the girls when they were here they woke up and uh all the cabinet doors were open again and uh stuff like that i'm just afraid uh the next step that i do take of how bad it's going to get because it just keeps showing itself more and more so i'll shoot you my email i really am uh excited about you know some of the comments i'm getting there is hope out there and to everybody that uh has been thinking about my family and praying and all that stuff i do thank you and to you guys thanks for being an outlet and um and uh for everything that you've done except if it wasn't for you guys uh i would be able to get it off my chest um but uh i'll keep in touch and uh thanks a lot guys Thank you for the uh, the update on your situation there, Richard. Yeah, I'm. You know, I, I don't know that our listeners they probably realize, but you know this this is such a big part of our lives. When we're done with the show, we don't stop thinking about each of these letters mm-hmm. and calls that we get. You know, and I have to say, Richard's one of those cases that's been really on my mind. So it just, I hate that things are getting worse. I'm very glad that he called in, just you know, to touch base. Mm-hmm. But I. Richard, my suggestion would be to, to look into one of those demonologist organizations, um, and they're out there, and we've talked about some of them on the show before, and I believe there's uh, some links up on uh, some of the sites that some folks have posted, or people have posted, uh, but I would I would look into one of those yeah. and try and, and, and get in touch with someone uh, who's familiar with your story or who, who, who can learn about your story and give you some direction um, there. I would not be inviting any more paranormal groups into your house or mediums into your house. Um, I think those sort of things just simply kind of stir up whatever it is. The ones that that don't honestly know what they're doing, yeah. that have the abilities, yeah. but they don't really know how to yeah. use it. I mean, a lot of them are just there to say, yes, there's something here. We already know. You, you already know there's something right. there. You don't need confirmation from a third party that there's something there. You need... A third party to come in and help you get rid of what is there and I think uh, looking at one of those organizations may be the best route to take that would be the, the recommendation I have you want to listen to that audio we heard on there I again? do I heard that and I looked at you and I was my blood ran cold because somebody else is going to point this out right after the episode if we don't start talking about it right now so gonna go, what was that sound at X point um, and we're referring to that what it sounded like was like a door opening. You know, when you are you have a door open, you got that pressure sound and that kind of whoosh? Yeah. That's what it sounded like. Let's listen to it again. It was right around here on the, on the call. I think I can find it. Went, went out that it was pretty haunted. Um, in fact, uh, the Matt was a good friend of mine that she was contact or was talking about. And uh, he actually... Just ended up coming right coming there. to the house not too long ago. That was eerie. Yeah. Matt was a good friend of mine that she was contact or was talking about. And uh he actually just ended up coming coming to the house not too long ago. And he wouldn't even Richard Phillison, were you opening a door? Yeah. It really because it could be very easily explained as a door opening. It could. And the chirping sounded like when your batteries a you know, dead in your in your smoke alarm, and you have that annoying chirp in the background. Sure, I heard that, but that kind of freaked me out. I um, yeah, I'd like to know. And how many did he get this all in one call this time? He made it all in one call. Okay, because I know we've had trouble in the past, so that's why I was kind of leery. You know, and I, I honestly, I haven't listened to every call from Richard because he he's, he's called back so many times. He just reiterates the same story because sure. his phone was cutting out. So the call I, we listened to together is the only one I, I, I catch. I, I, I listen to the front and end, and I realize it cuts off at some point. So there's several calls from Richard that I've never listened to in full because 
they're just the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, just he reiterated them on a call that made it all the way through. I'm wondering if there's more things on those calls. Yeah. Um, we have them in the archive, so we can always listen to them. But um, that's interesting. It is. Uh, Richard, please do keep us updated on your situation. We really do appreciate you calling in. Um, and uh, I hope uh, what little bit of, uh, you know, what little bit we can help, it will help. Uh, email us so that we can get you that other information too. Yeah. Uh, email, uh, in fact, email us direct. If, if you would, don't necessarily just go through the uh, the forum. You can email us direct. Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. That'd be the best way to get us, uh, or get to us um, uh, in, a, in a timely fashion, if you will. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story. We'd absolutely love to hear it. Uh, or, of course, you can also write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. We also have that gallery section up there now with a lot of creepy photos. Um, not all of them have ghosts in. Some are just creepy cemetery photos and doll photos that people have sent us. And uh, if you have a, um, a photograph of something unexplained or you just got a good creepy, uh, creepy-ass photo, as I would say, uh, <laughs> send it in to us. And uh, we'll post it up there on the website for all the world to see and also be creeped out by. I love it when I'm out, when I'm taking photos of something and I just get, and it's not even a ghost. It's just, that's a great creepy photo. You know, I just, it's just fun. You know, I love creepy photos. So anyway, that's up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to another caller before we uh, get to the demonologist uh, call. Uh, who's uh, kind of becoming a regular uh, on the show. Let's take this call first. Hi. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. Um, love your show. Been meaning to call in, but sometimes it's just hard to find some quiet time, you know, a good time to call. A little nervous, not sure why, but bear with me. Anyways, um, I'm about 23 now, and uh, this story actually happened when I was younger, uh, young enough to where... I would get in occasional fights with my younger sister, as all younger siblings probably did. Well, I was walking through Costco, of all places, uh, the grocery store, with me, my uh, younger sister, and my mom. And so we were in the back of the store where they sold, like, uh, the drinks, you know. And it was farther back than the entrance or the cashier. It was kind of isolated in a way. It wasn't really crowded. And uh, anyways... We were walking down the aisle, and uh, I guess me and my sister got into a little argument, and uh, I ended up hitting her on the arm. And it was it was pretty light, but you know, if we were both young, it probably had more meaning then. But uh, anyways, it wasn't so out of the ordinary. We got in little squabbles every now and then. But we're walking around, and as we round the corner of the aisle, I see this older man, and uh, he was standing to himself, and he was wearing a suit. Um, I remember a dark suit, you know, he had a white shirt under, maybe a white shirt, but the suit itself was dark, a tie, and he was wearing a hat. And he was an older man, uh, had wrinkles and everything. And uh, it was just odd because when we rounded the corner and when I looked at him, I instantly had felt deep remorse for hitting my sister and it's something that is kind of hard to describe because we didn't say anything and a few minutes had passed since I had actually hit her um, or slapped her uh, you know on the arm it sounds so terrible but you know some time had passed so to see him and to instantly think of it it was just odd to me like it didn't just feel like I was sorry for it but it felt like that's what he wanted me to think it's really odd but I can't really put into words what I felt but it was this overwhelming feeling that he was good I got that and I also felt very very bad and and how I I translated it to myself at such a young age was that it almost made me want to cry like a good tear kind of like a I'm so sorry what am I doing kind of thing and it was so much to where I wanted to apologize to my sister granted I didn't, but it was just really odd. I got this weird feeling. So anyways, I don't think much of it. Granted, it did cause me trouble at that moment. And now that I'm looking back, I can describe it in such a way. But uh, at the moment, 
I was just like, that's the weirdest thing ever. So we keep walking and, uh, you know, mulling over it a few, few seconds. I'm like, okay, this is kind of strange. I'm going to just, I'm just going to ask my mom if she at least saw the guy because he was so on his own and he wasn't even shopping and the way we made eye contact, it was just so strange. So, uh, we, we, we kept walking and I looked at my mom and I said, did you, and she goes, see that guy? And, and I, I was shocked because one, it's, it was just odd for her to finish my sentence. Like she knew what I was going to say. And I was like, uh, yeah, did he, uh, make you feel kind of weird? And she was like, yeah. And granted, I didn't get into more detail with her. I didn't ask her how she, how he made her feel, but it was really odd to me that she knew exactly what I was about to say. So I was like, was he real? And, and it was just weird how we could understand each other without actually going into detail. And she was like, you know, I'm not sure. Let's go and check. So we rounded the bed, like the aisle and came back through. And of course, you know, he wasn't there. And, uh, and it I don't know. It was just a really weird experience. I don't know, of course, for sure if it was anything paranormal, but you know, at that moment, and what I kind of told myself afterwards and what I still kind of tell myself today is that maybe, I don't know, this is the only way I can describe it, but maybe he was an angel of some sort and and it was his job to kind of just be there. And it was something that was good to learn from, I guess, you know, because he did make me feel sorry for what I had just done, which isn't necessarily the best thing in the world. Granted, kids getting a little tiffs all the time. But, uh... It was odd. And, you know, I listen to every one of your shows, you guys. They're great. And uh, it's really been a nice thing because it's caused me to reflect on weird instances like that. And there's other times where I've been able to kind of read somebody or something. Uh, and it's always a good emotion, though. Um, I know that it seems like it's notoriously kind of a mean thing or a bad thing that people pick up on but for me it's always been something really nice like I can tell someone is involved with their church almost um, I can just get this overwhelming feeling that I quite, can't quite describe but uh, I don't know I just wanted to share um, I know a lot of people it's really common to talk about demons and darker entities but for me it almost felt like an angel and I was just curious if maybe you know Granted, if it was an angel or not, I don't know. But has anyone had more of a beneficial kind of interaction with something that was outside of a loved one? You know, because granted, you know, it wasn't involving someone that has maybe passed. It was just a random thing where I did something that wasn't necessarily good. And yet it's something told me, you know, to kind of realize that and to grow from that. Just like I would imagine an angel should do. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I don't know if my nerves came through, but uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thanks for listening to me. And uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. Would that be an empath? Yeah, I was going to say he needs to Google empath um, and become familiar with it and become familiar with the special things that go along with that. That um, It's a gift. Sometimes it can feel like it's not a gift but uh it sounds like you're you're picking up on the good things uh you're probably actually picking up on a lot more than you realize and you you probably should take a look at looking into that looking at what the symptoms are looking at how to kind of protect your your energy um and some exercises as far as it's called grounding and that's good to to do every once in a while it kind of is like a way to recharge your battery because you can get drained very easily picking up on other people's emotions or energies so that's it's exciting to hear from you um you know I kind of tend to feel like I am part of that group I don't think I've honed in on my um my my energy feeling you know to where I can pick up on complete strangers but I I fit all the descriptions to a T and there's there's times that I can just tell when there's something going on with my family or one of my family members and they can be you know miles away but I can just tell that there's something going on have you ever had that no 
No. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, but I, I fully, I understand where you're coming from, where that, you know, if you have that ability where that could happen, and yeah. it makes sense. Plus, another cool thing about, I think, being an empath is the fact that you get to be part of the Ghost in a Jar of the Month Club, uh, oh. where a new Ghost in a Jar comes to you every month. It's it's the, one of those subscription things. That's pretty special. That's what the empaths get. You know. It's one of the fringe benefits of that, being a... That's pretty special. But no, I recommend you do that, and I think you're going to have a lot more... You know, now that you're you're kind of reflecting on it and focusing on it, I think you're going to start having a lot more things that you notice. Um, so, yeah, call back. Let us know how things go and what you find out. Yeah, it would be really interesting to hear um, just being more aware of what is going on, you know, how he how he handles that. Uh, and thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for subscribing. We really greatly, 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 greatly appreciate that. And you guys out there, too, if you've not done so yet, press the subscribe button, please. That uh, helps us out quite a bit uh, if you've not done so already. And, of course, if... Uh, uh, you're an avid listener. You're probably already doing this, but sharing the show helps us too on Facebook, on Twitter, Pinterest, um, whatever you use. Uh, there's a lot of things out there. Uh, Dig. What was the one I read it? That's another pop. Yeah. There's a lot of places that uh, if you, you're part of those communities, um, if you wouldn't mind, let uh, those communities know about us. Um, that would uh, greatly help us improve the show for you, get you more ghost stories. And uh, it's just, just a nice thing to do because you're a nice person and we're nice people and nice people help each other. And that's what we do. That's just How's that? how we are. Yeah. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Got a uh, follow up here from our demonologist friend at 855-853-4802. Hi. Good morning or good afternoon. Depending on the time of the broadcast, recording is going to take place. This is Joe from Clearwater, your demonologist and minister. Um, many thanks for putting my uh, recordings on the air. I can't thank you enough. I also would like for you to get some sort of uh, donation button going with PayPal or something. I would like to uh, donate and help the show continue, which helps a lot of people. Vinny, good morning. Tony, good morning or afternoon. I have a ghost story quickly, and briefly I will uh, explain. My first case that I did... Uh, with a young lady who was being attacked by the old hag. And what I mean by that, six months prior to that, I saw the old hag in my bedroom. I got up out of my bed, came up this woman in white, maybe uh, five to six feet away from me, near the hallway, just staring at me, observing me. And I thought, what an interesting woman that I see this apparition. She was all white, and I did see her. Six months later, I got a call from a young lady that was being attacked by this entity. And uh, she did not tell me about the entity. I told her, and then when I explained what I saw, she freaked out that it was the same thing she saw. She was in her bed with her fiancé one night, and the entity was like three feet or two feet from her face. She put her pillow over her face for at least half a minute, took it off, the entity was still there. As clear as I see you, or would see you on the street. Uh, upon doing so, the entity uh, disappeared and started causing problems within the home, her children, and her fiancé. Also, she saw black spiders uh, walking around on her, I should say, walking on the walls and in her kitchen. And uh, visual effects like that, and her health was declining as of uh, from observing and interacting with this entity. I explained to her within a week I would be able to get rid of it, which I did. And when I expelled the, uh, I believe, the demonic entity out of the environment, her health slowly returned, her family uh, slowly regained, um, being the loving family they were. She didn't stay with the fiancé, but that was meant to be. Um, anyways, with, with, uh, with demon, demon means knowledge. That's the wording for what the, uh, the terminology means. And they're very intellectual and they're very smart and they know what they're doing. Also, Jenny, you mentioned a very good point about ghost networking within them, within their own little group. So I believe demons are doing the same thing. And they're counting on these people not knowing what to do. And this is the reason why they, they visually and then physically attack them. 
uh, to give them such a disarray that they can, can concentrate. They just they lose all hope. They just destroy the human being. Um, Satan hates us to begin with. Also, one more uh, added remark. There's more demonic uh, activity than there was, say, 20 years ago. Uh, there is a wonderful people called Ed and Maureen uh, uh, Becker that, uh, I don't know, I will get the correct name, I guess. Anyways, uh, they were talking to a group previously on one of the radio shows, and they said that the uh, paranormal investigators who were doing this for decades had one or two cases, uh, if that, and now they're coming up with four or five of them. So there is a rise on, on evil intent, as one would say. Also to reiterate on being a paranormal investigator or demonologist, you definitely need to have a, uh, an educational background and learn what you were uh, learning your trade, as one would say. Then doing an apprenticeship with somebody who's very experienced in this field. Now, this is nothing to be, uh, to be like a thrill-seeking type of situation. Things, these entities are, are, are getting increasingly upset. They are on the rise to attack, and they are attacking these uh, people that are doing coming into this field, walking around with their meters and their equipment, and they can be easily attacked and influenced. So yes, to reiterate on that, and I will talk more about that, yes, you need training, you need an educational background, you need to know what you're doing. Um, anyways, uh, I've had other different cases that I will talk about if you're interested. I have an investigator, Wesley, who grew up in a haunted house, and he's got a book out, and he definitely would like to talk about his story. Um, it's, it's not to promote himself, it's to explain how he felt growing up in the house and what, how it affected him in his life and how he's the young man that he is today. Also, a person named Chris, uh, his family was under a demonic attack. Um, he has successfully gotten rid of the, uh, the entities out of their home, uh, which I would love to have him call in and explain his story. Wonderful people. Uh, very educated, um, uh, schooled, and stuff like that, and they take this uh, investigation very seriously. Um, they've been on apprenticeship and training and stuff like that, and that's the most important thing. I can't reiterate this enough. This is a growing field. We don't know what to be expected when we go into these homes. We need to help these people. That's that's the main thing we need to do. We need to help instead of hinder. So anyways, I will, uh, that's the end of my discussion with that, and my other messages that will be recorded will be on ghost stories. Anyways, Jenny and Tony, I thank you enough um, for listening to me. It helped me a lot in expressing how I feel. And uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot of wonderful people out there that are helping people, and they ought to be commended. And they're on, the, they're on the trenches every day and expect nothing in return but to help these people. We all got to stick together. If we all stick together, united, we're strong. And we can fight back and we can learn about this field because it's an exciting, uh, potentially um, beneficial uh, field for us to learn about ourselves and others. Okay. Well, I'd love to be on the show to interview. I'd love to talk to you guys in person, so please call me sometime. And to everybody else, you're very special and unique, and everybody have a good day. God bless you all. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for uh, for calling in and sharing your story. We would love to uh, to talk more uh, with you. In fact, why don't you email us direct? I believe I believe he's written in through our, our uh, website forum before. Okay. Um, and he may have written even more, but we have so many to get through. We just may have not seen him. But uh, please do just write into us direct. Uh, just send me an email, Tony T O N Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, and uh, I can get to that right away. I'll see your email, and uh, we can uh, we can communicate that way. Let Let's get something scheduled. I'd like to talk to him. Yeah, we'll get you on the show, and also uh, get your friend on the show too, because we'd love to uh, to hear some of his stories uh, as well. So please do, uh, please do email me direct. Tony T O N Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. You know, I always feel better after Joe calls. 
Yeah. I do. I feel like, you know, that, that there is something that can be done. I feel hopeful. Sure. You know? And I believe the investigators he was referring to were Ed and Lorraine Warren. Do you think that it was them? I'm going to guess so. Okay. I was wondering if there was another set of... Ed and Lorraine demonologists out there? Yeah. I just wasn't uh, sure. I'm going to say the odds are probably not in that favor, but he even mentioned there, he's like, I'll get their name right. I just think the name slipped him at that exact moment in time, but uh, that's who uh, who it sounds like uh, anyway. Because I've heard that too, where... Because uh, he, he directly then referenced the, the number of cases and how they've been going up uh, over the years. Right. So that's uh, it's disturbing and, and interesting at the same time. I wonder why. You know. Um, uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Less. I don't know. I mean, I, I would say I would say less respect for the spirit world and what it, it, the power it holds. I could see that. You know, there's. I don't know. I really, I don't know the answer to that because it's hard to say, you know, are people going to church less? Are they less in tune with it? But, you know, you can make that argument in some cases and in others you can't because, I mean, it it may be at, you know, highs as well, you know, with some of the mega churches and such too. But, uh, you know, how often are churches necessarily also touching on these sort of topics? Yeah. You know, is the awareness just not there with a, a new generation of folks and it's bringing more things in? I don't know. It's interesting. I don't have the answers. No, we but, don't. But, but we, we talk about them. Exactly. Uh, the phone number to call is 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear it. It's uh, kind of the fast pass to get your ghost story on the air. Of course, you can also write into the website as well. Share the show. Uh, whatever. Apply for me. Use Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. Dig it, Reddit, wherever. Please, please, please let some people know about us. That helps us out uh, quite a bit. Also, if you want that bonus episode, uh, just give us a review there on iTunes. Then email me back the username that you used to do that. You email Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com, and I will reply back personally with a link to the bonus episode of the show. So, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. Online.